Professor Brian Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash thevulnerablescientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. I'm loving this conversation so far. I love mm-hmm. the way you're very expressive. You should see me now. My hands all over the place when I'm telling you <laughs> these things. How passionate I was. My hands are like... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a very... It's an interesting journey that I had just from second-guessing myself and where I was going to and now where I am at now. So my undergrad was that. And another aspect of my undergrad that I found really interesting was like our class was, we we were a class of 18 students. And out of the 18, only two ladies were there. So that was also another interesting thing that there was no balance in gender. And it's not because the university was biased. It, it just felt like, not a lot of people knew about the program or a lot of ladies were shying away from science at the time. But then it's interesting that now things are totally different and actually that thing that people constantly fight about uh, gender equality or gender balance in the workplace. Uh, from after my undergraduate, I just found myself in positions where you're, like, you're seeing very strong people working in research institutes and now these are your mentors and actually there's a very gratifying aspect once you're a very young student now venturing into the field when you see really strong ladies that have come up in the field and they're they're actually iron ladies when they come and present their work and you can see that they believe in themselves what is uh, imposter syndrome that is nothing they can identify with so just tra- transitioning from a place where we're only two girls and 16 guys and then moving on to this place where it's pretty balanced you have people inspiring you i think that's also something that pushed me into you now saying yeah i i think i can do it because imposter syndrome is real once you're out there, you know when you're still in school, you're sort of sheltered. But yeah. once you go out there, it's like, ah, yeah. Well, let me, okay, so how was, your ex, how was your experience like generally in university? Did you participate in anything that is out of um, school? Or how, is there uh, anything interesting about when you're still studying? Um, I guess when when I was still studying, <laughs> um, most of my focus was actually in school, 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 school stuff. But mm-hmm. towards the end of my undergraduate, um, I did join 
or I was a vice chair of the students' union for biomedical sciences. So that's something outside the box that I did. Other than that, it wasn't very eventful. So most of it was actually just me studying, studying. But another interesting aspect of my undergrad was also um, my internship program at Kemri in Baghazi. Uh-huh. So um, just before the final year, I had requested to do an internship at Kemri and I got into um, just applications and I actually didn't think I would get through because it wasn't an official, a formal Okay, so I have to explain this. In undergrad, during your final year, that's when it's mandatory for you to do an internship or an attachment. But the year before, you don't have to do it. So usually during that break, it's the people who are a year ahead of you that would most likely get opportunities. But then I was really curious to know what is actually happening because like I had mentioned, most of the work that I have we had been doing was mostly on animals you know but then i wanted to get this hands-on experience on what is happening when it comes to humans so i i i managed to apply to go to camry during my third year for an internship and i was lucky enough to get through that and now that was i would say the first time that i was that i got into mosquitoes so i haven't mentioned this before but my work is Mostly, when I talk about vector biology, it's focused on mosquitoes. And Wait. in Camry, mm-hmm. yeah, tell, uh, tell us more about Camry first for someone who doesn't know yeah. what, what is Camry. Yeah, so Camry is Kenya Medical Research Institute, and it's the main research body in Kenya that's involved with uh, mostly human, human research, mm-hmm. and it's it's a body that houses other research organizations in it. So with the Bagadi branch, I think mm-hmm. it also had several other institutes, entities within it. So mm-hmm. the, the Camry that I went to was the one in Bagadi, but okay. they do have branches in different places around Kenya. I think there's one in Kilifi and Kisumu and probably others that I'm not aware of. But the one I went to was done in Nairobi. And uh, within that specific institute, I was attached to um, the Center for Biotechnology Research and Development. So (laughs) that's where most of the interesting work happens. And this is in relation to vector stuff a lot of insects work insects insect borne diseases are being researched at um, cbrd in camry so once i got in for interns usually do like a rotational um program where each week you're in a different lab doing different things and um at the time they had different they were working on different tropical diseases and malaria was obviously the biggest one there. So you had a malaria section that 
was mainly focused on the mosquito and then there was the malaria section that was focused on the human and the human aspect of it and uh the parasite aspect of malaria and then you had other neglect, neglected tropical diseases like leishmania or schistosoma so during that time during my internship that's when i was able to get exposure of all these different diseases do you know prior to going to camry i wasn't very um knowledgeable on just how leishmania was caused or just how badly it was affecting people but then i would encourage any student in undergrad if they can to go for attachment in those places because then you're exposed to so many things that you're otherwise not intentionally but you're otherwise unknowledgeable about so we would go through each section and the good thing about um the internship is you're shown how to do things and then you're giving you're given the opportunity to do them yourself and why malaria stuck with me was because the lab was really interesting it was headed by um Okay, maybe I shouldn't mention names because I'm not very, very. My memory isn't very good on, on the okay. names. But yeah. the biggest people that I interacted with in the malaria lab were. That's the first time I met Dr. Damaris Matoke, and the research technician, Mrs. Lucy. Mwangi. So Lucy was very, I found her very intense, but now when I look back, I, I see why she was intense because she was very keen on making sure at the end of each day, a student has learned something. So there was yeah. act off with an empty page and by the end of sorry, the day, you sorry, have a... Lillian, sorry. you had gotten mm-hmm. lost for a while. You're saying, she, what was Lucy doing? Sorry? You you oh. were saying something about Lucy, then you got cut off. Oh, sorry. So Lucy was um research lab head, sort of. Yeah. So the research mm-hmm. technician at the malaria lab. And what I was saying was that I at the time I found her to be very intense mm-hmm. in how she would mentor us, but looking back, it makes sense why she or her approach towards teaching because what she used to do was she would make sure that by the end of the day each mm. student has something to report back like what have you done or what new thing have you learned so we would start off the day with an empty page and then by the end of the day you you're like so you did this this is what you learned and this is how you could do it better or if you have any recommendations personally as a student if there's something that you need to learn more you would mention it in the report so we were always on our toes but in a good way because this ensured that we were constantly learning and just that pressure that 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 was i think what sparked that interest in okay so there's a lot of activity going on here and i need to find out just what it is or what it means or Mm. you know what is the end game what's going on here so with mrs lucy and dr damaris that's when we were introduced to mosquitoes and just figuring out there are so many different 
species of mosquitoes, how they grew up from eggs, what a mosquito's egg looks like. That was very interesting. I had never known that they looked the way they, that they did. And the little larvae that swim in water and how you can tell the difference between species just by looking at how they lay the, their eggs or how the larvae look or how the adults look, their wings, their legs, what patterns they have. So that was very interesting to me. And I think that's what really stuck with me throughout the whole internship period. Aside from, yes, there were some interesting things going on around other labs. But then also with schistosomiasis, I have to point out, I did not like that lab, not because it wasn't interesting, but because I'm scared of snails. And snails ah. are the things that transmit <laughs> this. <laughs> it was always, <laughs> it was yeah, always Hazia. a nightmare for me. Yeah, to go to yeah, Bilhazia, to go to that lab because it seemed interesting. But then now we are being told we have to rare snails, and I'm really scared. I know I want to get out of my comfort zone, but I'm not very, I'm not there yet to be raring snails. So yes. that's sort of what pulls me away from schisto and pulls me more to malaria. You know, a lot of people don't realize how sometimes scientists, science can be nasty. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like, it's I remember true. someone, I don't know who came from on this podcast. I don't know if it's Nom Sikelelo. She was talking about the, uh, no, she was complaining about the bacteria, about how she, she was trying to grow the bacteria and all that. But people don't realize sometimes like some bacteria some bacteria really smells bad or sometimes mm-hmm. you have to deal with people's feces or you have to deal yeah. with people's um human um like the most i think the most disgusting specimen that i've had to work with was mm-hmm. uh, oh my god do i have to say this okay it was <laughs> feeling this Okay, before that, there was this thing that I, I was I was helping someone do their PhD on uh, the mm-hmm. lab, you know, lab personnel. I was um, um, digesting, uh, you know, the keloid stuff. Like, you, you know, yeah. the, the mm. thing that protrudes from someone's skin uh, out mm-hmm. of nothing. It's it's not cancerous. It's just mm. so someone was doing research yeah. on that in... I think the University of Nairobi, I don't know where that person was registered in. And I had mm-hmm. to take samples. You know, pe- the people who get surgeries on that, like in uh, mm-hmm. Kenyatta, yeah. Kenyatta Hospital, then mm-hmm. and I'll go for those samples and I'll cu- come cut them into pieces. Uh, uh, and then it's so sticky. And... Oh, my <laughs> oh. <laughs> Before today, I always thought the worst samples were fecal samples but then you've changed oh, my mind uh, oh fecal, no fecal is, is nothing i used to get disgusted with fecal samples when i was mm. in usiu they were doing mm-hmm. pharmacy students were helping pharmacy students do their lab part and uh, i used to mm-hmm. get i was like imagine this is someone's anyway but with time uh, when I first knew, you know, you get along, you find these weird samples that are so disgusting that you have to yeah. get used to it first before, like, mm-hmm. it, even with time, it was so simple. It was just, it's just another thing that I'm looking at. Something that mm-hmm. was, and talking of strange samples, I've also, I also used to go for, uh, what are they called? Uh, uterus. 
Uh, oh. I used to go for, you know, people who get hysterectomies, they had a sign that they had allowed for their, you know, their parts to be used for research mm-hmm. in also mm-hmm. Kenyatta University. So I would go so for those parts and, you know, you, you, you're waiting at that, just at the door of the surgery room, waiting for the oh, no. uterus to get to you and you come and use it for HIV research, just to understand how oh. the suffix, mm-hmm. um, how do women get, you know, uh, HIV, mm-hmm. how the, 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 the disease progresses and you're just doing vaccine studies. Now, the, the, the one that I wanted to tell you about is still in the same HIV studies. There was this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, the, I, this is now nasty, the, how, what do you call, <sighs> you know, <sighs> You know that. What do you say? This? You know, vagina. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. oh, no. Whatever comes out of that vagina, mm-hmm. that's. I don't know how to call that. How do you call that? Sample, fluid. I can't remember the name that you. Vaginal something. Like the something discharge. that's structured. Yeah, so they will get the discharge. Mm-hmm. They will extract the discharge from. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone's vaginal space up to the Mm -hmm. suffix area so that they can Mm -hmm. analyze that sample uh, for people Mm -hmm. who've been given the vaccine they tested they're testing the vaccine so they'll they'll get that and you know study it and all that so when you're Mm -hmm. when you're dealing with a sample these you have to do instead of the pipetting stuff where you do the normal pipetting you have to do reverse pipetting Mm -hmm. because it's so viscous and so mm-hmm. sticky and so disgusting. You can imagine people have different kinds oh, no. of the way it is oh, no. on, your, on your bench. Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't know why you're laughing. Oh. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture it. Uh, yeah. You're doing but some really interesting research, but you're handling some very... <laughs> Weird yeah, samples, oh. yeah. But yeah, mm. that's the reality. With time, you realize. Ah, you, you, you know, you get just. Yeah. But I never got used to that though. But with mm. time, you get used to. You know, people don't realize how scientists deal with the weirdest samples. You know, you, yeah, people even, don't. You know, TB. Mm. I also been. I think the other thing is TB research, where you have to get mm-hmm. someone's mucus or someone's. Um, what is it called when you, you when you cough or you when you I don't know oh the phlegm yeah the phlegm mm-hmm. that's the sample mm-hmm. that you're dealing with you know people don't realize mm-hmm. how disgusting sometimes science can be <laughs> yeah that, those are the realities of science that yeah. people don't really <laughs> but at the same time interesting yeah, to... yeah very <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sorry I had to bring that in. <laughs> it's a very interesting aspect. You know, you learn new things every day. I hadn't, because up until today, I was like, my worst experience was with fecal samples. But then there are actually other experiences. Wow. Oh, that's so impressive, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So you, you ran away from, you know, uh, doing shisto because of the... yeah. Because of the snails. snails and yeah. also, coincidentally, with Shisto, we had the fecal samples, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and there was this technique, testing technique, or was it where you <sighs> collect Shisto parasites from fecal samples using uh, 
what was it called? Cattle cuts method. And it involved a lot of mixing up and seizing fecal samples. And I think also <laughs> that just got me away from wanting to do anything with schistosomiasis. But then that's how I got into malaria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, with malaria, with the section that I was at, you're seeing this very strong female um, scientist working on it and it's intriguing and also very attractive to you so you're looking up to them and you're like ah i want to be like dr damaris i want to be like dr milka you know so i think already from there from the internship already my mind was sort of set up in the direction i wanted to go with my research in future so after undergraduate yeah after i love that mm -hmm. you've mentioned how important mm-hmm. it was to see female mm-hmm. in that space like that's yeah. uh, oh my god that's a huge thing like uh, mm. because you've mentioned you were in a class of two over two over 18 mm-hmm. Perse- what, what's what's the percentage of that oh my god i wish i could have a calculator that's a very small percentage okay let's take it yeah. four over 20 uh, two over ten. That's two percent. Yeah, it's very small. Two. That that's like two even less percentage of, uh, girls. Like it's just you and another girl who are girls mm. in that class, and uh, mm-hmm. then you get into this internship that makes you see actually the people who are in the top positions are female. Yeah. And that just influences how you you know you're not confident on how you want to. Go like ah, they they did it. I can also do it. I can also do it. Yes, it's it's very true, and and people don't realize it, but actually having these female figures in such positions, it's very very powerful to young Mm. students, Mm -hmm. and it's immeasurable the effect, the impact they have to especially young girls out there. And it's also something maybe we'll talk about later on when I'm talking about my master's journey. But it's also something that I also found out firsthand, just how, you know, impressionable young girls are and the impact Mm. that we have on them is very important, especially in science. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, so we were finishing up with undergraduate. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess the highlight of my undergraduate was now the internship and also not having to work with cadavers. Mm. <laughs> um, and then, so after undergraduate... Was there a low, low point in your undergraduate? Uh, my low point was probably... Uh, it wasn't just one specific moment. It's probably something that recurred throughout... Uh, undergraduate but it wasn't something that limited me completely but Mm. it was the question of not being sure exactly what biomedical sciences entails and being taught by vet doctors instead of human doctors at the time didn't make sense to me Mm. because it felt like it was best suited being in a human field than an animal field but then after a period of time that those questions weren't really that important because it made sense why we were being taught it was 
a broader perspective of biomedical sciences and you're not mm-hmm. just limited to one yeah. aspect. And I think yeah. also because I had come into biomedical sciences already having my state yeah. of mind where I wanted to be a medical doctor, my yeah. focus was on humans. But then you have this whole new world, you know. Yeah, so that was my low point, constantly questioning yourself and your choices. But then eventually they made sense. So after undergraduate, I had a whole year where I got a very interesting internship at the Institute of Primate Research. Mm-hmm. That was outside, more, we were talking about mosquitoes and all that. Now we're moving to working with monkeys bigger lab animals because now in Camry I was used to handling mice and guinea pigs or the biggest animal I had worked with in Camry was rabbits but then now we're moving to this world where people are actually working with primates and I had not realized that there was a primate research institute in Kenya up until that point Uh, uh, but getting that opportunity and um unfortunately at the time not a lot of work was happening at the primate research but i was lucky enough to be attached to a specific scientist uh dr marcia kini who was working on some interesting zoonotic diseases in baboons so i was constantly active as compared to other interns at the time who were, most of the time they had to there wasn't enough work for them to do, so they were always just at the bench reading or doing stuff. For me, I was always on my feet, maybe counting eggs from fecal samples from baboons or doing some tissue histological things at the histological department or doing ELISAs, um at the Tropical Infectious Diseases Department. So I was always doing something new every day. And I think that was very, it was a very lucky opportunity for me. And also just going to now the animal lab and working with the primates themselves, seeing how they actually are able to do some sampling from maybe cervical tissues or to perfuse monkeys. And, you know, primates are the closest species to humans. So now this is as close as I'll ever get to humans. I'm not going beyond that. So that whole experience was very interesting and insightful to me. And also from there, I picked up, uh, again, this comes with the thing we've just been talking about, having powerful female figures in, uh, in fields that are usually mostly misconstrued as as if they're meant for male scientists but then you're seeing this female scientist really working hard to keep up with the with the other guys so in ipr i worked with dr marcy but also i was able to work with marcy akini yes and i was also able to work with dr lucy ochola and she was working on malaria at the time and it felt like malaria was following me every everywhere i was going it just kept coming back up 
So I'm working with baboons, but also there's this interesting thing that people are doing on malaria. People are testing uh, ELISA's enzyme-linked immunosorbent assays. This is a whole new technique I've never learned, but I want to see. People are looking at microscopes to check if this parasite is a different species from the other one. Is it falciparum? Is it mm. vivax? So during that period, I actually also got that. Aside from getting just the technical skills, you're also getting this, you're also making this very strong relationships with mm. scientists in the field and they're telling you the challenges that they've been facing and how you, if you face the same challenges, what to look uh, forward to, how you would be able to, to set yourself up uh, for success, how you need to constantly be assertive and initiate conversations like I said, I'm very introverted, so I was still very closed off. And uh, the Dr. Marcy had realized that, so she would bring me into situations where I had to voice my thoughts. So even if, so she's a scientist, she has all the expertise and all the experience in the field, but she's given me a test to do, and I have this result. She won't give me the answer exactly. For to analyze the results or what the results are telling me she would let me voice what i think the results are saying and i think that sparks up that mm. your mind is your the wheels in your brain are constantly spinning you need mm -hmm. to answer this you need to think scientifically you're not just working like a robot you need to what are you working towards what does mm. this say what do we need yeah. to do to improve the results you know mm. So and I that, got that experience. And, and that's how you IPR. become a scientist, I mean. Like that's, yeah. You think on your True. own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't just work blindly. You have mm. to keep questioning and trying to answer this question and see the other approach that you can use to answer this question and what are the results telling us. So just being bred into that, being taught that, was one of the key things I came out of IPR with where you have to think scientifically and you can't just be a yes person where someone says do this you're like yes and you give results you're being uh, trained to think scientifically and process what you're doing so yeah it was a very interesting um, experience and what I liked with IPR is uh, there's a nature trail in IPR, so during lunchtime, you could be able to just walk around and mm. see some baboons jumping from tree to tree. It was a very good environment to be in mentally, <laughs> very relaxing despite mm. the pressures of the lab work and everything that was going on. Yeah.